This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorin from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. Welcome back. Episode 52 of the Strategy of Fitness podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorin and Rob Rowland. What's up, boys? I'm doing great, man. Had the fantasy football draft last night. We are, by the time this podcast airs, about a day, a day away from the NFL season starting. Hoping it'll be a full, I, I think it's going to be a full season with zero interruptions. and There'll be fans by the end of it. That's Dan Gorin, optimistic prediction. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm gonna have to go right in the face of your prediction there. That's the that's the dumbest thing I've heard yet tonight. There's there's <laughs> zero chance this this season gets finished in any facet. Like I, I, it's gonna be like seven on seven by by week six or something. There's there's absolutely no way you can keep these guys. Like look at what's happening in all the colleges right now. How do you expect twenty one year old millionaires not to be out in bars and just spreading COVID everywhere? I just think that. I'm an optimist and I just hope it all works out, Rob. You know, what was the story? Like there's 200,000 new cases that they're attributing to the, to the motorcycle rally in like North Dakota or some shit like a week or so ago. I (laughs) I don't know how football is going to be any, any more sterile than a, than a nice, you know, hog rally, but who the hell knows, man, there's no teams allowing fans right now. Right. No, I, there's, there's, I think Kansas City was reporting oh, they had plans, plans to get like ten or fifteen thousand people in the stadium. But okay. who the heck knows? I'm, I, I have no inside information. I have no contacts. I'm just speculating, and I just drafted my fantasy team, and it, I'm pretty pumped about it. So I just hope it all goes off without a hitch. You know? Now you guys are in the same fantasy league, right? Yes, I have been for what over ten years now, right? It's one of the most consistent. Besides my wife, it's probably the most consistent thing in my life. So, can we talk about that quickly? Give the listeners a little inside peek. Because I'm sure almost everyone that's listening probably plays fantasy football. So, give us the details. Is it a 10, 12 team league, and who's got the better team this year? Twelve team league. So you got to dig pretty deep to to find those like wide receiver threes and your flex positions. Mm-hmm. Honestly, my team is is terrible. It was like the first year I, I didn't look at any football before I drafted. So. Like when I'm getting to the late rounds, I'm picking names I, I recognize, like T.Y. Hilton, even though he's what, like 47 years old right now, because <laughs> I, I don't know who any of the young guys are that have like potential to to be good. So I'm sure I'll be like like middle to low finish this year again. Like that's that's where I find myself every year. I just I can't put enough time into fantasy to to ever actually win. Polarizing hot take here. You guys do snake or you do auction? Because if you do auction, or if you do snake, it's it's really you're behind the times. I think. We we snake and I got the twelfth position last night, which is the 
the worst. See, that's the beauty of the auction draft. I did an auction draft last night. I didn't even pay attention to what happened. And there was no preseason anyway. But I did no research. But when you have a $200 salary cap, you just know, okay, well, I can I can spend for these three or four guys. And then, you know, you end up being in the same position you were at the end. But I think that it's a little bit more strategic. Dan, how's your team? I like my team. I got Kyler Murray, and we're doing full-point PPR, so I took Mike Thomas with a number seven overall pick. I'm pumped for Kyler. I feel like that's a fun guy because all those West Coast games at 430 suck anyway. Like It's just a miserable, you know, it's like some shitty team versus some other shitty team from the West Coast I don't care about. So having Kyler Murray really ups my spirits for the season, and Moster, Raheem Moster, I'm pumped. So he's another West Coaster. So I'll have some reason to watch the 4 o'clock games, which I usually just, I'm tapped out by then. I've had enough football, and it's usually games I don't care about. So Got some West Coast interest and kind of like my team. Nice. I got Kyler and D-Hop, so I'm hoping that's a good connection. I just think it's fun. Like, it's fun to have a guy like Kyler Murray. I had Lamar Jackson last year. I've had Mahomes the year before. It's just fun. It's fun to have guys that just can score, like, 50 points in a game and just hurt people's feelings. No doubt about it. All right. Well, that was pretty self-involved. I'm pretty sure people hate hearing about other people's fantasy teams, but, you know, we have to do it. Let's talk workouts. Rob, you just got off the bike. What'd you hit tonight? The only thing worse than talking fantasy is talking about your own workouts, but <laughs> people sur- surprisingly like this this segment. <laughs> all right, so all I do is bike intervals, so I'll talk about the worst ones from the last week. So minute forty five work, minute rest, and I did that for eighteen rounds last week. So if you do that on like a concept two rower, the equivalent that I was shooting for is like five hundred meters in mm-hmm. that that time period, which that would just was a was a mind beater, like trying to stay on pace. And then I did a similar one tonight where it was 145 on, but it was a 30 second rest. And I just went for, for eight rounds of that, but was able to keep that same output of like a 143, 144 pace. So I'm over a thousand meters each round on the bike for that. And then this is the weekend. It's the first time we brought Jackson out to, to meet some family. So Mar and I made the, made a trip up North and my, we saw my cousin who I've been writing workouts for all during pandemic. So I brought the old D ball up there. And we hit the five rounder of D balls over the shoulder and then run a lap. So we did it like a, a team workout where we got to get 20 D balls over the shoulder. You split it up however you want. And then you run the, the lap together. And I think it was like probably a third of a mile. And I, I got to say, I'm very disappointed in where he was at because that absolutely crushed him. He was very close to puking on the last lap of that one. <laughs> Nothing's more fun than like having a workout that you know how to pace through and you know it's just going to crush somebody. And you're just waiting for them to just start hurting it. I don't know. I get so much pleasure out of that. I don't know about you guys. I love it. Hey, by the way, the uncle, right? I, I hope he, I hope he's a listener, but dude, epic video you shared with us of him throwing around that D ball. There's a legend that surrounds uncle Frank that would take a whole episode in itself to, to get into his, his 60th birthday was a couple of years ago. And just to give you an idea that he, it was at like some Italian social club, Bobby Valentine, the former manager of the Mets introduced him on microphone when he came into the party and John Starks was there hanging out. So what? it gives you an idea. Who this guy <laughs> what a legend. Can we get him on the pod? Is he available? <laughs> if I don't think he would know how to do it, it would go. If he did, it would go on for like eight hours. It would just be stories that went nowhere that made no sense, but I'm, I'm sure he'd be getting to do it. And you're saying this is a downgrade from what we usually do every week, talking about our fantasy football teams and our workouts. <laughs> nah, that's a good point. Let's get them on. Uh, that's beautiful. Dan, what'd you hit this week? Oh, yeah. So some couple good ones. I got I had a deadlift PR 385. And then after months of Rob telling me what to do on a deadlift and looking at videos of myself, I just finally just did the right thing for once. And then I failed at 400 doing the right thing. 
did it at 385 and doing the wrong thing. So it was an ugly, it was an ugly PR, but it's a PR nonetheless, but still didn't hit 400, but I'm working my way there. And I tried again on the 10 minute assault bike test. Cause somebody gave me the number and Rob's talked about it before of trying to hit my body weight in 10 minutes. So my body weight's 187 right now. I try to blow out the bike and do 18 calories a minute and just try to see if I can maybe get like a little above 18. And I kept that strong for like five minutes. And then I just, died and wound up with 160 calories, which tied a PR for 10 minutes on the assault bike. That's not horrible, but yeah, I think if I, I think 17 calories a minute's the number. If I did 17 cal, like nobody, like nobody gives a shit anyway, but if I did 17 calories in a minute, I think that'd be like the perfect number where I can maintain that, maintain that for 10 minutes and hit 170 calories, which would put me closer to that 90, 92% of my body weight. So it would kind of bring me up there. So I got to try that again at a different, uh, different pace. Yeah, it's really an annoying test. I don't I don't even know if I've ever actually done it. Not to like go get it. I've obviously done like a ten minute assault bike. It's kinda arbitrary, the 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 whole body weight piece, but I I guess it is a good I guess it's a good test. Do you know people at the gym that are hitting that? I feel like that's probably a reach for most. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody I know is hit. the the one guy who told me about is the strength coach at my new job and he he's he's a bigger dude. I think he's like two twenty five, two thirty. Mm-hmm. And he said he said he hit it. He's a he used to own a couple CrossFit gyms and said that he hit it at one point in his CrossFit career. But I mean I think Rob could do it. Rob, you think he could do that? No, I'm I've maybe now that I've done like three months of this bike workout, I get closer, but I, I think I've gotten like close to one ninety, but I've no, I don't think I've ever eclipsed two hundred on that. Yeah, that makes me feel better about myself because you are the the machine cardio king. So that makes me feel better about myself. I think if you're getting to 90%, that's super elite territory. What do you think, Nick? Like 90%? Yeah. I mean, again, the correlation to body weight is still a little confusing to me. But just regardless, I mean, shit. If you're over 200 pounds, you're hitting 20 a minute. You got some power. You got some power and some durability that I wouldn't expect a bigger person to have. I'd like to do it on an assault bike and an echo bike and see the difference. I, I like the body weight aspect of it just because that bike rewards you for having more power. And obviously that's the true. guys are going to have more power and it's just making them be more aerobically fit. So I, I think it's a good, like ubiquitous test, but the body weight, like that's a very far goal to shoot for, but it's a nice like grounding for yourself to know that you're not that awesome if you're not hitting it yet. I think Webkey would be like the perfect person to, to do that workout and come close to his... Oh, he'd smash it, I'm sure. Yeah, come yeah. close to his, his body weight. So there is guys out there like that, but the way he's explained to me, and it was actually kind of rung pretty true, it's like, okay, well, if you're 150 pounds, we want to make sure that you have enough power so that that would be on the smaller side of a, of a human male, right? But if you're 150 pounds, we want you to shoot for that goal because that means that not only do you have a good cardio base, which you'd expect somebody that's 150 pounds to have, but then you would also have, you know, that would be a challenge for you to maintain enough power to give that output in that 10 minute time period. So it, it almost, you can't get away with being weak and you can't get away with not having aerobic conditioning. So like Rob said for the big guys, it's like, okay, great. You have that power output. You could do an awesome 50 minute calorie or 50 calorie test, but do, can you put it together for 10 minutes in a, in a sustainable fashion? So like I said, I think it's an, it's an arbitrary goal. It's a high goal to shoot for, but I think if you work off a percentage and do that 10 minute test, get a percentage of your body weight, it's a good way to kind of see where you are, you know? And if you're, if you're getting that 85, 90%, I think that's pretty strong. And when we talk about the energy system stuff, 10 minutes is like right in that zone where it should be your max aerobic output. Like you can't sneak by with anaerobic effort there. That's aerobic, like the max your aerobic system can do. And it's like time, 10 minutes, you just can't hide. You just got to go. 
absolutely brutal because you're cruising that first minute or two and then you're like oh shit i gotta do this four more times oh nice all right cool my my piece for the week that i want to share is a nice little run pump clyde's been throwing a couple of these in either run or row or even ski pumps where basically it's 20 or 30 minutes of one of those machines and every two minutes or every minute 30 you hop off you do 20 push-ups and 10 dips or 20 push-ups and 15 air squats. This one was 30 minutes of a 400 meter run and then 20 push-ups and 10 dips. So one of 12 rounds got 12 rounds. So you got to think in 30 minutes, you're doing what? 240 push-ups. I mean, a whole bunch, a three mile run and 200 dips, right? Or sorry, 120 dips. So by the end of that, it's weird because none of it by itself is that difficult or impressive, but by the end, you're like, holy shit, I worked hard for 30 minutes. So I shared that with a couple people that I know are, are sick of just hitting their runs or doing whatever they're doing at home without equipment. Good way to get it in. Great pump. And you're breathing hard by the end, too. So when Clyde, when Clyde gives you one of those, does he give like a justification of why you're splitting that up with upper body work? Is there an intention for that? No. Uh, there's no intention. It literally says like run pump. Okay. I'm, I'm just curious if it was a way to like build up fatigue in your legs and you're trying to dissipate it with like some upper body exercise, like accumulate fatigue in your upper body and just like getting your body at better at like dissipating and like getting rid of those waste products. Or maybe I'm just thinking too far into it. I, I, I'm sure that's probably it because dude, like the run was not an issue as far as my legs. But you know, after you do that many push ups and the day before that, I did some heavy muscle up volume. So like my chest was locked up after each set. So, you know, the first 100, 150 of the 400, I'm shaking out my arms, trying to get back to my, my running form. And again, your body's like, it doesn't know what to do with all that lactic acid built up, up in your, up in your chest. Mine didn't anyway. Did you do, what kind of dips did you do? Were they like a standard dip on a, yeah. like a dip setup? Not, not the ring dips? No, not ring dips. So I did it actually on a box jump and, and then I bridged over to the, the bench. So um, okay. I was actually going like back. I don't know what those are. Not, not even the ones like that you mount on a, on a squat rack. Right, right. So you're talking like, a, like almost like a elevated chair dip. I call them yeah. chair dips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say that's an awesome one for people at home, especially during COVID times, because if you can just get a chair, right, you could just do chair depth because it's a lot harder the way you describe it. Like if you're, so you're saying your feet are on the bench. Yeah, I made it a little bit yeah. more difficult, but the way I told almost everyone is like, you got three steps at your house. Yeah, 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 there you go. Boom. Done. And that's a great tricep burner. I mean, for a high for a high volume tricep burner, if you haven't done that, and, and very similarly to the ring dips, which you were talking about a couple weeks ago, because you have to put your shoulders into extension, so you're really ch- stretching out that chest and really putting a lot of demand on the anterior wall. So uh, I'm a big fan of that exercise. That sounds like a great workout. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, and other than that, good, good lifts for the week, good quick little 12-minute AMRAP. I, I think I always talk fast ones, but this one's worth mentioning because Clyde's starting to give me some targets to hit, which is really helpful. And it was 12 minutes, 15 toes to the bar, 10 strict handstand pushups and five devil press. And the devil press is one of those things that, you know, I always, when I do talk about it, I say how great it is. Just such an efficient kick in the ass. Cause only five, you know, it's only a 12 minute workout. I got six rounds, but holy shit, man. That is that is such a nasty movement, especially after those handstand push-up volume. So that was a fun one. Have we got an official Rob take on devil presses? Because we mentioned them. them and 
Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think we mentioned him, but he hasn't done him yet. Have you tried him, Rob? No, I totally forgot about him. Like, I, I got nothing against that movement. It sounds fine. I've just never never worked it in. I'll, oh, I I'll, thought you I thought you said it was stupid because just another made-up CrossFit movement, because it is. It sounds like something I would say, but I don't remember saying that. Like, I'm not going to flip it out. As somebody who remembers everything perfectly always, Rob did say that he's never tried it and he, he was going to reserve his opinion on it. I, I do believe we could, we could check the footage. All right, good. Well, give it a try. They're efficient. Yeah. Let's put it that way. What, what kind of weight you, are you using on these? I do 55s. All right. I think, I think it's about, again, like most things, if you, what do you think about Nick? I think if you hinge properly, like you're doing a kettlebell swing, but at the same time, so I, I hinge like a kettlebell swing and at the same time try to pull the weights up as close to my body as possible, almost like a snatch. Even though they're going to go away from the body, I try to keep them as close as possible. What, do you, what is your strategy there? Mm, no, I don't put that much thought into it, to be honest with you. Smack my chest off the bottom on, <laughs> on the ground, stand up, get a big swing and throw them, you know, use the momentum to get it over. But the essence is a kettlebell swing, like it's yeah, a similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so we're on the same page. Here. You're probably you're. I'm overthinking the swing, but but it's a swing, right? Oh yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. Cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I guess, inventive, but it, it's just typical CrossFit. I'm, I'm assuming they're probably doing it because, like we always say, the the kettlebell's so hard to judge what a standard is unless you do the American swing overhead. And they just said, well, how can we make the American swing suck even worse? So let's put a burpee in it and do it with two dumbbells. So. There you go. Perfect. All right. Well, this week's topic is going to be all about the lats, boys. We've talked a couple different body parts and exercises specific over the last 52 weeks. And this marks a year, by the way. But I'm excited to break this down. Dan, I'll let you tee it up. It's a super important body part. Yeah, man. I thought it'd be fun to get into. I think that this podcast, uh, you know, some of our critics will say we're a little CrossFit heavy and we've gotten some feedback that, you know, people like when we break down a lift or we break down a body part. So I wanted to take it to the latissimus dorsi muscle. And I thought it'd be fun to just kind of talk all about the muscle and then how you target the muscle and how you make it look sick. Like everyone wants that V-shaped back. So latissimus dorsi muscle, just a little background on, on this particular muscle. It starts a lot of people don't know how big it is. So if you haven't seen a picture of your lats lately, I would just urge everyone to just Google image search the latissimus dorsi. And what you'll be amazed at is it starts at the top, you know, if you're looking at the origin of muscle, so every every muscle has a starting point and an ending point. Uh, lat starting point is at the fascia just above the base of the pelvis, and it extends all the way up the back, creating that V-shape. If you could think of like a Brock Lesnar back, creating that V-shape back, and then inserts into the humerus on the arm and the, on the medial side of the humerus. So it's a fascinating muscle. It's a big-ass muscle. It's super, super important for a lot of things. And it's, I think, from both an aesthetic standpoint, so just both from people looking at it and saying, like, I want to look like this or I want to have that type of back, it's, it's super important for the bodybuilders out there. And then beyond aesthetically, I think it plays a, a crucial, crucial role in your overall function and your overall quality of life as a human being. So again, it's one of my favorite muscle groups. It's something we target a lot in the physical therapy clinic. And, you know, just probably one of my favorite things to talk about. What do you guys want to share about the lats? I, I probably should have thought about this before we hopped on the podcast, but I, I, I think lats have a very important use in, in lifts that we typically don't think about them in. Like, I think we've talked about this before in just our text chain and doing things like 
Olympic lifts or deadlifts, like being able to engage your lats or even like a bench press, they're a really important stabilizer for lifts you really don't think about. Because Dan, you talk about that big broad insertion they have in the back. Like you have a big fascia that connects to your low back and your lats connect there. And if you can tighten your lats up volitionally when you're sitting up in like the bottom of a deadlift, it creates like just another layer of stability for you when you're going into a heavy lift. The other side of the coin is I've seen some like chronic shoulder issues that were diagnosed as labral tears. But when you get these guys in the clinic, it's like, it, it seems like chronic latch strains that they have going on. This has been like some like heavy CrossFit guys that I've seen this in like these. And I think what happens is the lats are really strong internal rotator of the shoulder. So it, it probably gets overused in some of the like snatch activities, like overhead and some of the, the smaller rotator cuff muscles like that subscap isn't isn't really a target as much. So that lat ends up getting beat up and you just check the soft tissue quality of that thing. And it's, it can get really beat up if it's not trained appropriately. And then another population you think about is like major league pitchers, like lat strains has become like a newer diagnosis you hear about now. Like pitchers are, are getting diagnosed more and more with lat strains, whether that's a function of like better diagnostic tools or pitchers are just throwing harder and they're exposing more tissue of their shoulder to higher stress. I think that's something else to consider, but for, but from the aesthetic standpoint, like for most people listening to this podcast, like knowing how to train your lats and, and get those things big is, I mean, that's, that's the key to life, man. Uh, you don't want ILS, you want RLS. That, that's how you look huge. What's invisible what's lat syndrome? <laughs> like that guy on Barstool. Yeah. There's a lot of guys, you know, everyone made fun of those, those kids. It's in, you know, high school that used to walk around like they're, carrying five gallon buckets you know they always had their arms kind of bowed out like wow that guy must be big and of course they weren't you know that carries over into adulthood too so don't be that guy or girl <laughs> yeah i mean as as for my kind of hot take on it i think you guys kind of said everything i would say the one big piece that, that you mentioned rob and i think we'll get into is how important it is on exercises that you don't even know how important it is you know, what comes to mind is your deadlift, your, your, your bench, any of the Olympic lifts, you know, your lats are really what you're engaging to keep the bar close to you. And if you don't, you're going to fail those lifts or you're going to develop bad form. So very, maybe underappreciated unless you're in a bodybuilding competition. I, I think a lot of people like to think of traps, but I think your lats are super important. Dan, I think the, probably the best place to start is you kind of said how important it is just for your everyday life. Let's start there before we even get into exercises to build them. Yeah, man. So I, I guess one of the, the cool things about the shoulder is, is there's a lot of joints that go into making the shoulder move normally. And when I say move normally, it's not just about when we're talking about a pull-up or we're talking about a bench press. Moving norm- normally could be, you know, reaching over the head for, you know, up in the top shelf of a cupboard or, you know, lifting your suitcase overhead into the, sto- the storage area. So just everyday functional tasks or lats are super important. I think one of the things that we miss, and, and one of the things at one point in my career I even forgot about, you know, learning in PT school is the role in scap stability. So your scapula, what most people think of as your shoulder blades, it takes a very particular concert of motion between the shoulder blade and the glenohumeral joint, the kind of where the ball and the T meet to make the shoulder move normally. And the scap plays a huge, or the, the lats play a huge role in scap stability because as the lats kind of come up the back and we're, we're seeing the V-shape at the bottom or at the, the bottom angle of those shoulder blades, there is an attachment where the lat 
actually grips onto that shoulder blade and is really important for all those different shoulder motions. So not only is it important for your pulling exercises, not only is it important aesthetically, but it does play a role with the scap's ability to stabilize itself with every shoulder movement, every single lift, every overhead activity. And I think that that's one thing that's lost, you know, because especially in PT clinics, you see people doing internal rotations and external rotations, um, you know, your A's, Y's, and T's, all that crap to death. But then you, you don't think about doing a heavy bent row where it's like, what better way to work this orientation with inferior angle than to actually load it up and use the biggest muscle there, which is the lat. So I, I think it's undervalued in, in the physical therapy world, maybe overvalued in the bodybuilding world, and then maybe undervalued again in the Olympic lifting world. I, I think you, you said it really well there, Nick. We're not thinking about when you're doing a, you know, and Rob said it too, when you're doing those snatches and you're doing those sexy lifts, if your lats aren't engaged at the beginning, good luck getting it going. That's something I've struggled with, with a lot. And one tip I, I always do with people to like try to teach them how to engage that lat is imagine you're holding that bar in like a clean position or a snatch position. I have that person rest there. Then I come up in front of them and try to pull that bar straight away from them. So you kind of have to lock that bar into your body. And that usually gives that person that feeling of like pulling a bar into you. And that, that makes you engage your lat kind of similar to like if you were on a cable tower and doing a straight arm pull down, like your arms are straight out in front of your shoulders and you pull them straight down to your hips without bending your elbows. That's, that's how you pull in your lats and, and get the scap stabilized. So that's like a good regression for teaching people just how to feel their lats. Yeah. I think Dan, you, you mentioned it last week, maybe not directly, but when you were talking about taking the slack out of when you're doing a, a deadlift, you're talking about this, like when you're pulling a, a truck out of a, of a ditch, right? It's the yeah, same yeah. thing. Um, that's one of the yeah. main, it's one of the main, muscles that you're tensing and getting ready, you know, engaging before you, you lift the bar off the ground. Again, I, I just don't think people think about it. I honestly never think about it. But when I was kind of prepping for this, I'm like, oh, shit, of course, it's, it's, it's in everything. Bench press too. You would never guess, but you're exactly right, Rob. I mean, I if you know me, you know, I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. Another one I would have overlooked. Yeah, also with the deadlifts, especially, and I, I told you during the COVID and, and the quarantine, I was working a lot on the pen lay rows. So doing those exercises, I think is a great way. 
I did not regress on my pull-ups or my chest to bars in a big fashion, you know, even without the rig, because you, you could work on those other kind of larger movements. And we're going to talk about those movements going forward here. But um, I wanted to get your both of your thoughts. I think this is interesting, but we know that the lat, so one of the big movers is pulling. So if we take our upper body and break it down into two forms of exercise. You could either do pushing exercises and pulling exercises. We look at the pushing exercises, the bench press, the push-ups as primarily working more of the anterior chain, the, the pectoralis muscles. And I think the main one we're going to focus on with the pulling, like we said, is the lat. So this is important for pulling exercises, bent rows, deadlifts, pull-ups, all those types of exercises. But which are your, and I want to start with Nick here because you had a great, great one on our text chain, but what do you think the best exercises are for building the lats and getting the V-shape back? that I think that if you're young and you're into started the bodybuilding or if you're young and you're into weightlifting, you really want that V-shape back. So what are some of the best exercises you think are for it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think every listener that's listening to any of these podcasts know what I'm going to say. We can all say it together. Do your pull-ups. I just think your, your pull-ups, you can vary the grip and you can really blow it out, especially the wider you go, the more you're going to hit those lats specifically. A couple of the other ones, weighted weighted pull-ups is another one that I think is a big differentiator. Once you get good at a regular pull-up, really what I've learned with these bigger muscle groups is to, to grow them specifically. Me, anyway, you have to hammer them with weight. It just has, you have to bully these muscles. So I'm not big, and you guys may be different, into the heavy volume of any of these. The same thing with the traps, the same thing with the lats. Like, my whole thing is like, Go heavy. Everyone's heavy is different, but you know, heavy, strict dead hang pull ups, heavy bent over rows, barbell or dumbbell. I think everyone has seen that douchebag at the gym that goes over to the uh, <laughs> the 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 rack or the all the all the dumbbells up against the mirror and pulls the heaviest one and just sits there and does their you know their rows. But if you actually do it like a civil human being and you take it over to a bench and you do that full dumbbell row. That's like such a classic lat hammer, and if you do it with a, with a heavy heavy weight, I've always gotten really good results. Those are the ones that really jump out to me from from a lifting perspective. Obviously, again, the the, the barbell bent over row is is a classic. Another one that I'll just throw in there that you wouldn't even think really hammers them, but if you do a, a kettlebell hold, you know, like with a front rack hold. Just holding it with a heavy kettlebell really flares out your your lats as well. So th those would be, I guess, my three or four big ones. Rob, what do you got? So when it comes to training back, like this is where I kind of go against my my mantra that like everything can be done with like free weights. Some of the machines for training back are like some of your best options out there. So if you do have access to a gym, like unless you can do like fifteen to twenty strict pull ups, like. For me, I, my upper body response responds better to volume. So having a lat pull down machine, I think, is a really good way just to like learn how to use your lats and build enough volume to build strength there. That should carry over to pull ups. I'm not saying doing lat pull downs is going to get you doing pull ups, but doing that in conjunction with pull ups is a great way to learn how to build your lats. When it comes to doing pull ups, another thing you'll see in like the big gyms is that like uh, the pull up handles on those crossover cables machines, like the ones that kind of downwardly slant a little bit that have that wide grip those are really good for learning how to engage your lats on a pull-up other machines i'm a huge fan of i think it's hammer that makes like the seated upright row that's got the multi-handles on there that's plate yeah. loaded. dude that thing will blow your back up you can do it one arm at a time two arms at a time and then like the classic arnold t-bar row like you don't see those much anymore 
but it's kind of like do a bent over row, but there's a camber to the bar. So you get a little bit more range of motion. Your chest is supported. So you can load the shit out of that thing and, and really build some back thickness. So those are, those are some of my favorites. You got so many options when it comes to pulling. That T-bar row, that, that, that is, I don't know. I haven't been to a public gym in so goddamn long. That is a often underutilized machine. If you're trying to get a big back, look no further. That, that thing can blow it out. Yeah, that's a good point, Rob, with some of those machines. I, I think that, you know, we're, we're so biased in the, the, whatever you want to call it, the functional fitness space, the CrossFit space that, that we forget about how, you know, those isolated machines, you can really load the shit out of them in a, in a pretty safe fashion. That's, that's the benefit, man. Like we talk about training, pulling the pushing volume, like two to one, three to one, maybe, especially if you've been a heavy presser all your life, that's really hard to do if you're just doing pull-ups. But if you got access to the the row machines freaking go hog wild in there, man. Do three sits of every every pulling machine you can find. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I don't have too much to add there. I love all those options. I would just throw in, again, uh, exercise I just didn't have correctly, but the pen lay row I think is awesome because just that little stop you get at the bottom, you can kind of load it up a little bit and that really helped me. Kind of, you know, I think it helped me with my RDL form. I, I think it helped me with my deadlift form and then it also helped my grip strength. So, the, you know, I definitely saw some, some lack gains there for the pen lay row. And another one, and we're going to talk about this in a moving pattern, but but Nick, how do you feel about the toes to bar? Because I think the toes to bar, for whatever reason, I really feel in my lats. And I can't, like, I never really understood linking the toes to bar pattern until I really engaged that lats with just the elbows straight and just really driving the hands down towards the ground. Yeah, I had, I was going to try to avoid going too CrossFit heavy with this, but all the CrossFit movements, all the, the gymnastic movements, I think are, are really... Yeah, you have, on there. yeah, Yeah, if you have weak lats, you're going to be exposed because you're, the sets are so big, right? The toes, the bar, the chest, the bar, the, the kipping pull-ups, even the bar muscle-ups, like sure, you know, your shoulders are bur- your shoulders or your core are going to burn. But if you really get done and think what's hurting, what's tapped out right now, it's your damn lats. They are so heavily involved in those movements because, you know, it all kind of is generated around that, that force your, your body's creating that, that cyclical movement. That's good stuff. And I, I think that when we when we kind of put all this together and, and we're always looking, you know, me and Rob probably have more far more of a bias for this than Nick, but you know, in the physical therapy world, just trying to keep things safe. And I, I agree with Nick in terms of the loading it up. We are meant, you know, I think based on our species and evolutionary past, we're meant to climb and we're meant to pull. So I think that in all of these pulling exercises and everything we've talked about, it's a it's a space that is much safer to add weight. Then maybe in your in your pushing exercises or even your leg exercises, I I obviously like like Rob was saying he has treated people where the, there has been some lat issues, but I think the lat issues usually come from using the lats as more of an accessory or an ancillary motion versus a primary motion. Like I don't know if I've ever treated somebody who's had a lat issue from doing strict pull ups or strict dumbbell pull ups, but I, I could be wrong on that. But I, I see far less overuse injuries in lats than I do in other muscle groups. Now, again, there are some overuse, especially lats and subscaps, but I think it's more of the ancillary stuff than than a isolated lat movement causing the problem. Rob, can you can you bro science check me on that that hot take that go heavy with this stuff? You got you got a, a person that's reasonably strong in the gym and they're doing you know they, they can go the heavy five rep set, or they could do the 10 to 12. My bias for any of these big muscle groups is, is hammer the, the heavy low volume. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, it obviously depends on your goals. If you're trying to get stronger, you got to live that way. 
if you're somebody that's already relatively strong, let's say you can do a set of five pull-ups with 45 pounds around your, your waist, like you might need to start looking at volume with more accessory, like machine work or something like that. If like your, your lat development isn't where you expect it. But if you're still like that intermediate lifter, I think that's a good safe rule for any of your big movement exercises. Just train it heavy in that five rep range. And uh, Nick, I hate to blow up your spot here, but I know you've been doing some programming for our, our boy, Alex King, and I know you do it for your wife and, and you hammer them with pull-up volume, and I don't recall any weights being involved. I mean, I'm sure there will be at some point. And I think that, well, part of it is I think it's just really hard to get to the point where you're even good enough to take a weight with it. But, oh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, I think that you know you can hammer this stuff with volume too. It's not an end or or. You could do volume, and then you could do heavy weights on the the more isolated kind of machine exercises. Oh yeah, I mean, well, look, strict pull-ups until you're damn fucking good, and you better be damn good to tell me that you need weights to do. I mean. I myself, I'm I'm hammering it because I'm good at pull ups. I've been good at pull ups my whole life. I've kind of earned that right. The the people that you know couldn't do a pull up earlier this year and now are banging out five or six. You do not. You don't need it. it you need to again. My bias. My I can be ignorant when it comes to this stuff, but you got to be able to bully yourself before you bully weights. And that's I, I'll probably never add weights to Mal. <laughs> to be honest, I just think it might be unnecessary. But yeah, Alex King, as, as when he's banging out 10, 15 pull-ups, and then you start start throwing a 10-pound vest on. You heard it there first. So we, we talked about, uh, you know, we did a, actually a pretty good job of breaking this down, but global movement patterns versus isolated movement patterns with the lats. You know, I look at things as the global movement patterns are more of your rope climbs, pull-ups, any of the gymnastic movements, the toes to bar, the muscle-ups, deadlifts, I'd even consider that. And then you have kind of more of your isolated movement patterns, your bent rows, your standing extensions that Rob talked about, your lap pulls, or your penlay rows or your bent rows. So kind of two different categories of movements. So if, if you're a listener to this, uh, and I'll throw this out to both of you, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're kind of new to CrossFit or you're new to bodybuilding or you're new to the gym, what direction would you, and I know it's going to be based on experience, but let's say your average gym goer, intermediate gym goer, what direction would you send them in? Would you send them in more of like this kind of global movement pattern direction, or would you send them more in the isolated exercise direction, or would you kind of combine and meld those things? We're talking about the intermediate lifter. I think the way you were talking about before breaking down, like pushing and pulling, and if you're going to hit pulling exercises, say twice a week, focus one day on vertical pulling. So that's going to be like your pull-ups and your lat pull-downs. And then one day on horizontal pulling, which is going to be like your bent over rows, dumbbell rows, T-bar rows, all that kind of stuff. I think that's a good, safe way to make sure you're hitting. You're going to hit all those muscle groups without trying to tease out like isolation work. Yeah, I like that. I don't even have anything to add. I think that's a good way to break it down. I rarely hear people break it down like that, Rob. I think most people, when they have back day, it's back day, baby. Nah, get get another day in there. Make it, make it. I like it. I like it. Get horizontal, Nick. I like it. Oh, and the the body row. I forgot about that one. Just putting a bar in a rack and doing like a pull up with your body horizontal to the ground. If you target that bar where you would hit for like a bench press, that's another awesome lap builder. And that's that's an easy one to weight vest on or a plate on your chest. Like you can build some back thickness right there. Mm, That's good. Yeah. And you you can get creative with some stuff. If you have like a pull up bar at home, you can hang rings. And do the same type of thing, elevate your feet up against the wall or against the bench and, and do those those rows, body weight rows. That's great. 
Yeah, I, I was going to go even simpler there, where if, if you're more of the advanced lifter and you, you have a good base, because I would look at any advanced lifter, somebody who considers themselves advanced to have a pretty good understanding of the the row machine, the lap pull-down machine, maybe the uh, T-bar rows, or if they have some sort of landmine rig set up like that, or or any of the variations we talked about. But but to start to translate that into more of those gymnastic-type movements, more of those pull-up movements, more of the weighted pull-ups, it's almost like you start with the isolation, then you build to the global movement patterns. But that was more of like... I love Rob's, which is more like a something you could take to the gym tomorrow. I'm talking more of like globally one year to the next. Like if we start one year doing these kind of basic movements, these isolated patterns, then we'll, we'll start to bring it to some of these bigger patterns. It's not, not a right or wrong, but just kind of a different, different way I'm thinking of it there. Yeah, I think that that's totally fair. But again, there's a, a million ways to, to skin this cat. I think whatever, whatever gets you in the gym, Dan. That, that's the important thing. Absolutely. I need a man. And yeah, so let me ask you guys this. What is some of you? Yeah, I, I'm going all, a little off script here, but I was thinking about a cue. And then Rob, you gave me this with the pen lays early on, but really focusing on getting the bar to your belly button. I think that a lot of times I'll get caught up with this myself is you're, you're almost with the bent rows, with the pen lay, with anything where you're pulling, there's almost a natural proclivity to bring it to almost between the chest level and the belly button level. But I think that if you really drive that elbow toward the, almost like driving the elbow toward the pocket so your hand kind of winds up more in the belly button space, I really feel it a lot more in my lats. I thought that was a terrific cue I think a lot of the listeners would benefit from. Yeah, so your horizontal variations, if you're trying to feel lats, think about pulling really low, like almost belly button, lower ribs. And then if you're doing a vertical pull, like if you're doing a strict pull-up, try to touch your chest to the bar, like, you can't fake that. You can't use your biceps and, and shoulders to get your chest to a bar in a strict pull-up. You have to engage your lats. Yeah, and almost any of those, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I feel like you can, you can accentuate the, the lift from the start to focus on them if you engage them pre-lift. So again, it, it's, it's mindfulness, and, and if you don't think about it, if I don't think about it, I may not do it, but even a dead hang pull up, we're just going to use a, a simple movement like that. If you just are on that bar and you engage your lats, you can do it right now. You can just stand up. I'm doing it with my hands over my head. And I'm not doing anything other than engaging my lats. You can just feel them tense up. So I'm assuming you can do that with any of your lifts if you really want to target them specifically. The way I usually cue people, what you're talking about, Nick, I'm like the pull up with engaging their lats. If you don't know what that means, like just. Put your arm straight overhead like you're going to do a pull-up, and then imagine how you would do a pull-up if you didn't bend your arms. Your arms, right. they would just go straight down in front of you. Like Do that isometrically against the bar, and you'll feel the whole your side of your body tighten up. That's how you pull with your lats. That's a great cue. It kind of goes back to the beginning. We've come full circle here as far as the the attachment to the scap, it kind of draws those shoulder blades down. And if you see people are going to pull ups, if you're watching them from the back, you're always seeing that lat engagement, those scaps come down as they're pulling up. So that's another great cue. Another cue to know if like you're not using your lats in a pull up, if you get to that top position and do the old Pez dispenser, like throw your chin up and your shoulders are hunched forward, your lats are not engaged. You should have that proud chest at the top, be able to look straight over that bar. That, that tells me your, your lats are engaged and you're, you're pulling strong. Oh, you got any more of these? I like these. The more we talk, I can keep coming up with, with random stuff here. Wait, hey, I, do you guys think, I mean, are your lats ever tired when, when you do a concept two rower? I, I'm just kind of thinking right now. I'm, I rarely feel it there, which is kind of funny. If I'm doing like shorter sprint stuff, then for uh-huh. sure. like longer stuff, I don't think I engage lats as much. They're kind of just relaxed, more of a stretch reflex. But if I'm hitting like 
500 meter repeats, my, my lats are going to start getting pretty smoked. Yeah, I probably, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. I don't feel them quite as much and I don't do enough sprint work to probably feel it. But I think that it's probably because your form's pretty sound because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the bulk of your energy should come from the lower half and the posterior chain and that, uh, that row motion and that lats should be kind of your last little, last little bit. Yeah, I think that's the point though with, with Rob, you make a good one. Like when you're really getting it and you're getting that full extension and your your strokes per minute are up there and you're really pulling back, fully extending at the at the back of that of that row, I guarantee you the next time I'm actually doing a sprint on there, I'm gonna be like, What the fuck are you thinking? You you don't feel it in your life. It's just maybe your lungs are, are dying and, and taking the brunt of it. Yeah, when you're when your legs and low back start fatiguing out and you start pulling arms, those those lats will start screaming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For our lady listeners, as we always disregard them, I'll give a shout out to Coach Mara Rowland. She always uses pull ups as like a one of her markers for athletes strength testing, like pre and post season. And she's got quite a few girls that are in like the low teens, so don't be afraid to. And she she's a huge fan of the the neutral grip. So if you got a gym where you have those hands facing each other, that's another really good way, especially if you don't have great shoulder mobility to get those lats engaged. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Why is that? Is that just some people have a hard time with the with the pro pronated grip and it, it, it's like a mobility issue. I see a lot of people love the, the neutral grip. Yeah, it's it's just putting that hand in a mid-range position so you can isometrically like twist against that bar a little bit easier mm-hmm. for the mid-range of the muscle so I can feel a little bit stronger through that range. Hands are a little bit closer. And then a good cue is like the butt ends of those handles trying to touch those to like your pecs are a little bit low on your shoulders. Like that position, that that's a strong lap position. Mm. Also, pro tip on that, you get your brachioradialis, which is one of the strongest muscles per body. It's kind of pound for pound, one of your strongest muscles if you put them in a neutral grip. So you get a little accessory uh, accessory strength that you don't get with the pronated or supinated grip. Good stuff, guys. Well, I want to finish this up because what, what would a lat section be without the best lats ever? Best lats of all time ever. So this is our male body worship section. So I, I hope you guys have an uh, answer for me, but who's got the best lats ever? Or who's somebody's lats that you admire here? Usually, <laughs> my male worship doesn't go by body part, but I'll, I'll just throw this guy out there because I've been crushing on him hard last couple of weeks with hard knocks on. But Aaron Donald, that guy's body, I don't, oh. I don't care what muscle it is, he j- it just it blows my mind that that guy is closing in on 300 pounds, moves like a, a cornerback, and is just absolutely shredded. Yeah, he's been your answer for everything recently. You love that I mean, guy. There's no wrong, he's not a wrong answer for anything, I think is the point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I honestly got have no idea, but let me think here. I mean, Brock Lesnar has the has the really <laughs> wild ones that like him and Goldberg. Goldberg's back back in the day when he was jackhammering 500 pounds. <laughs> uh, Goldberg back in yeah, the day. Dude, back in the day, his traps and, and lat game were best on earth. So I'll, I'll go with Bill Goldberg in his prime. Yeah, I was I was there right there with Brock Lesnar. I went with like a, a different one, Bobby Lashley, who was a WWE no. guy, and he was also just an absolute savage. And he was a, like a world class wrestler. He might have even done a few MMA matches. So I'll go Bobby Lashley on the best lats of all time ever. <laughs> there you go. I love how you say all time ever. It is my <laughs> favorite consistency of this of this thing. So redundant. I love it. Yeah, very redundant. So thanks, guys, for participating with me there. And then, yo, it's been so. First off, it's been a while since we just had the three amigos just kind of 
talking shop on the pod and we haven't done a fun topic in a while. So I wanted to go on, and this is not a male body worship section. I'm clear that in the outline here, no male body worship section, but you can, if you want, you can really do whatever you want. But I just want to know like who inspires you? Like who's your favorite fitness icon? Get the people, somebody to like follow or look after that they can draw some inspiration from, or, or you guys have drawn inspiration from in the past. Rob, who inspires you? I can't wait for this. I, I didn't even know this question was coming. And I'm, I'm trying to rush to think of somebody. I got nothing. You're going to have to come back to me. Uncle Frank. All right, Dan. <laughs> yeah, have, I mean, look, I think the ones that everyone, if you haven't listened to these, like, I think the Goggins, the David Goggins of the world are going to be, you know, jump off the list to some. Jocko Wilneck. There's a guy named Cam Hayes. Is that it? Cameron Hayes? Haynes. Haynes. Yeah. That guy, he's got some really good content out there. Those are like... I think he was Under Armour's first sponsored athlete. Really? I'm pretty sure, yeah. That guy's really interesting because, you know, I think he runs like a marathon a day or something. He does like a half before work, a half at lunch. I think he, yeah, he's he's like a professional hunter, but he also is like a linesman. I think he works like a regular job too. Yeah, so, he works like 40 hours a week, runs 100 miles a week, and then he's a professional like elk hunter or bow hunter. Yeah, so I mean, I, and he's always got like, you know, I think it's kind of overdone right now that people are running and talking, but he's been, he's like an OG. He's been doing it for years. If you haven't checked his stuff out, I think he's got some good mindset tips. What's his, what's his thing on his hat? Like keep hammering. I think like him and Goggins, they, they cross paths a fair amount and they're both ultra runners and they're just both like, just, just keep going. Never stop psychopaths. I think everyone could benefit from listening to guys like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'll I'll let Rob uh, think, but but I I had to go back because, like, I don't know. I just those guys are awesome, especially the Goggins of the world. Like, I love those motivational dudes. Like, and just the the way Goggins talks and just his mindset and what he does every day and kind of wakes up and continues to do. This is kind of off the off the beaten path one, but I'm gonna go Vince McMahon from. We're gonna go WWE (laughs) heavy, and I remember growing, dude. And I'll tell you why is because like I always had like, and I guess it's because when I was growing up, my parent like my grandparents were like really a lot older. My dad was older, so his parents were super old. So I just thought that when you get old, you're just like done. Like you just nailed, like you, you hit 80 and you're just, or you hit 70 and you're just done. I thought it was like so cool when I was growing up. And I was like, Vince McMahon was fighting Stone Cold and he was like jacked out of his mind. Now, was he on all the steroids? Probably, but oh, yeah, still, definitely. he was like in his mid 50s back then, or probably at least in his mid 40s or 50s, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I remember they did like the Ico Pro clips where he was just, getting in work with Shane in the gym and he was yelling at him and just pumping weights. And when he actually came out for those, (laughs) I think you probably send me those clips about every week when he was getting in there and I was like, Oh my God, you could have like gray hair and be like jacked as shit. So that was one from when I was younger, I kind of completely changed my perception of how you could age if you put in the work. So look at his uh, son now, dude. His son looks great and he's killing it still. So, you know, there, there's good genes that go there. But overall, man, that is a specimen. And he's still, you know, you talk to people, he's in his late 70s, still working like 70, 80 hour weeks and still in control of everything at the company. So, from like a, I, I, hard to, I find it hard to believe that his consistent fitness routine isn't a part of his, uh, his ability to still work into his later years. No, I, I'm sure. Rob, you think of anyone that fires you up, bro? I mean, if I'm on YouTube and some Dmitry Klokov videos come on, like that's pretty inspiring to watch that guy lift. I could watch him lift all day. But there's really like, I'm thinking back, like what got me into lifting? I, I can't think of like a specific person, right? Like I was into baseball, but Chipper Jones wasn't known as like a, a weight room like beast. So 
I'm letting you down tonight, man. I maybe I'll think about this over the next week. I don't really have like a one person to throw out there. Wasn't Chipper Jones the antithesis? Wasn't he one of the last people that that just kind of he was he was like never lifted or never did any work and and started to get injured and started lifting when he was like 34 or something like that and had like a couple good years after that. Yeah, I think he was like a Coors Light and Red Man kind of guy. <laughs> God bless him. Cal Ripken would would be, I guess, like from my childhood because. I mean, honestly, I'm not looking up anyone's Instagram to get motivated. That that's just not really my mo at this point in my life. But I, I I think if you're just talking like back when we were kids, like who inspired the shit out of you, like Cal Ripken with with the the hits or the game streak was just hard for me to fathom. Like 2,000 games? Are you kidding me? This guy's never missed a game. That really instilled some some work ethic in in young Nick. Hey, Rob was more of a Billy Ripken guy. <laughs> Another Coors Light guy. <laughs> Billy Ripken was a notorious bad boy, right, Rob? I think he still is. <laughs> still oh, yeah. Putting in work in Baltimore still. Oh, yeah. Well, good stuff, guys. Yeah, so we talked lats. We talked about different fitness icons. And, and I'll tell you this, too. We, we've had some people reach out and told us some pretty amazing things about kind of how this podcast has, has impacted them or if they've listened, what are your thoughts? And, and I don't know about you guys, but that stuff gives me the fuel. Like I, I've had a long day at work, you know, just put the kids to bed and, you know, I'm tired. But when I hear stuff that like this podcast and the things that we're saying are making a positive impact in people's lives, it, it, it gives me all, all the fuel I need to, to keep doing this damn thing forever. So thank you very much if you've reached out to us. Couldn't mean any more than you guys know. And it really feels, feels good to know there's some positivity coming from it. So just want to throw that out in the universe. And if you do have any thoughts, don't be afraid to share them. Please share them with one of us or, or post it on our uh, reviews or whatever, because it, it really helps. There's legit like seven or eight people, not just the people that we had on the, the 50th episode that have said like it's changed their life. I, I can't like I'm saying it with a smile. Like I, I, I don't even know how that's talking possible, but I'm so happy that it is. I just want to echo what you're saying, Dan. It's really cool. Was your question to posture yourself as a, uh, the newest Fitzbo? Instagram. That's Instagram. it. That's it. You were looking for us to say you, weren't you, Dan? <laughs> I, I was trying. You know, I, there there's so many reasons of why I'm not a an influencer. Uh, you know, there's the looks thing. There's I'm not that jacked. You know, I was thinking about this too because people are taking fitness advice from me, and you know, you look at me. I'm just like a normal ass dude. I'm not that special. But uh, the way I look at myself is I'm like a you know Bruce Bochy, like a great manager, right? Like I was never that good a player, so I had to know all the shit behind it <laughs> to, to, to like eke out an existence in this world. So. I here I am eking out my existence and, and try to put my name on things. But again, it's not about, you know, I don't think any of us, like I look at all these people online and like, you know, there, there's, I think we're the podcast and just the, the information we're delivering is very much uh, substance over style. And I think that has longevity in it. I'm happy to be part of that, that brand. Hell yeah. Well, speaking of brands, you boys have any hitters for this, for this badass playlist? Rob, what you got this week? It's been a while since I've tuned into the playlist. I do have a hitter for tonight, so we're going Wolf Mother Woman. It's a nice little rock song to get you get you amped up. Wolf Mother? Yeah. Woman. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Nick, Nick's already deleted off all, off the Apple playlist. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is this? What do you got, Dan? I'm going Burn Slow. It's uh the Dirty Heads featuring Tech Nine. It's just a good kind of like that rap reggae kind of mix but has a really heavy drum and bass line so i hope and i don't get murdered for it oh yeah tech nine I mean, oh, he's, he's good every, every every recommendation dan makes he's got a 
<laughs> you gotta ask for forgiveness before he even finishes. <laughs> You've totally ruined his confidence. Yeah, the one thing that he's most confident in is his musical taste and prowess, and and now he he can't even put a song on the playlist without <laughs> feeling like he's gonna get attacked. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All you assholes there, hold on real quick. All you assholes that are fucking making fun of my playlist, you realize, A, don't be a cheapskate and get Spotify premium, okay? It's very fucking easy. And B, just hit the next button. There's songs that come up in any playlist I listen to. I don't like, I fucking hit the next button. I don't bitch about it for weeks on end. All right. All right, good point. Well, let me tell you, this song is, is a banger. Wolves by Big Sean featuring Post Malone from Big Sean's new album. Pretty good album, by the way. You can take a take a listen if you have you know an hour, but uh, Wolves really goes love it. Two Wolf mentions in the the hitters. That's pretty good. Two Wolf mentions and one other piece by the way. Audio Slave. The first six songs on that first album, musical perfection. I'm just throwing that out there. I think we have a couple of those songs already on the playlist. But like the first six, that whole album's great. Dude, but the first six voice is just like it's chilling. Yeah. How good of a rock I, voice he has! It's unbelievable how good that guy. I mean, unbelievable. I think we could throw almost any. There's a couple slow ones there, but yeah, I, th- those will be on those will be on the list. Uh, I think in due time. Dude, even yeah. that slow one that was in that Jamie Foxx movie with Tom Cruise. Like, if you throw that one on in a run, oh man, that's a it, it still works. Well, well, now you're talking about one of the best. I mean, sh- that's Shadow of the Sun, right? Oh yeah. I, I, I can't remember, you know, what I ate for breakfast, but I can remember this movie from ten years ago and the, the song that goes with it. Yo, that is the <laughs> one of my absolute favorite. That is a sh- Stellar Tom Morello solo from Shadow of the Sun. Yes, sir. A whole album show, show fire. Dan, what do you got for a book this week? Yeah, I'm going back to the Malcolm Gladwell. Well, this is a book I read in college. It was very kind of influential. I haven't read it since, but I, it stuck with me. It's called Blink. It's a very simple premise of just go with your gut instinct. You know, it's, it's not saying be a dumbass, right? Like, don't just fire from the hip and go buy Marlboro Reds and bungee jump. <laughs> More of like if you're well-versed in something, you know, if it's something that's an area of expertise or something you've been doing a, a while and you have a gut intuition about it, just do that thing because it's probably the right thing. It's why you don't change your answer on tests. It's why you don't go away from gut instincts. And there's lots of good research and anecdotal experience to back it up. One of my favorite Gladwell books, you could do yourself a favor, read any of his books, but uh, Blink, particularly good one. Awesome. Rob, have you read that one? I've read most of Gladwell's, but I don't think I've ever read links like i'll listen i'll read anything about that guy or listen to any interview with him i love his perspective well thanks because you said that about both gladwell books so i guess i've just picked the two ones so it sounds like <laughs> you're full of shit would you, would, you say, would you say you're full of shit or completely full of shit because i've given like two or three and you've you've given that exact and same answer one, he always says oh, i've read all of them but that one yeah, you're talking about me being pretentious. Oh, I've read every one except for that one that you just brought up what a fucking dick david and goliath <laughs> In this one, I've read Outliers, Tipping Point. I, I don't know what else. Those are those two I can think of. Yeah, those are two of ten. Thanks. <laughs> you sons of but all but all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I get I get enough shit on this podcast. I'm fighting back. Fuck off. Fighting back, baby. Let's go. All right, good boys. Well, it's been fun. I like having just the three of us. I think we gave some good knowledge. Dan, thanks for the good topic. I think we have some good guests coming up. Next time we talk to you. It's going to be the 2020-2021 NFL season underway. I'm good if you guys are. Later. Take care.